everyone. Good afternoon. Welcome to another podcast. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> I'm so excited, y'all. I've been recording like a lot lately and I'm just so happy because um, I know I've been gone for like a long time and not recording as consistently as I want to. And I'm just always so inspired when I get time and the opportunity to record, to be inspired by reading. I'm always inspired by reading, right? But I don't, I feel like some some of the readings are personal for me to learn and glean from. And then some are both personal, but also for me to share with those that might need it. And today is one of those uh, days where after doing my Bible study, I'm like, wow, like, okay, this is something where I just felt inspired to share with you all. And today will be a really in-depth study of Luke chapter 8 and Luke chapter 8 is you know quite a long chapter but it's so filled with so many great uh, advice knowledge wisdom and just a lot of great parables and stories within um, the chapter and so I don't want to introduce or wrap in the intro so much I just want to get right into what we're going to talk about today because it will be a lot of great insight and information that I'm learning and I hope you all can either uh, learn something new or be refreshed with what you already know. Um, anyways, let's get started. Today's date is November 6th. It is a Monday, so happy first of the week. Yeah, I hope you all have a great, amazing week to come. And the time is uh, 1.38, so it's mid-afternoon my day, and I'm, again, just so happy to be here. Let's open up a prayer so we can get started. Like I said, I have a lot to cover today, so I don't want to waste time just, you know, uh, talking about things that aren't as relevant to what we're going to talk about. So let us open up in prayers and get started as it will be a great session and time spent together in the word of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for allowing us another opportunity, God, to be here. I'm so inspired, honored, happy, and just thankful to be here to share and to glean from what you have for us in Luke chapter 8 today, God. I pray that everything that I share would not be my voice, but yours, Holy Spirit, that speaks to the ears and hearts of those that will listen, Lord God. Even in mine, Lord, let this be transformative. Let this be inspiring, Father God. And let us continuously seek your word, desire your word, and thirst, Father God as a dear pants for water so that way we, we can be quenched by the word that is so enriching and and yeah and brings forth life in our hearts and in our souls and in our everyday lives we love you so much God we invite you in our presence and let your presence be a present <laughs> let your presence be a present in our hearts Father God we love you we pray this in your most holy name amen Okay, amen. Like I said, we're going to read from, or we're going to have a Bible study today, right? This is going to be covering the whole chapter of Luke chapter 8. And that goes, uh, it's from verse 1 till 56. And as always, please read this by yourself as it is such a great book filled with many different stories. And you all can also gain something personal that God wants to instill in your hearts based on where you are in life right now. And so we're not going to read every single verse as it is going to be too long to read within the time that we have together. But I just wanted to highlight some of the most important um, verses that I thought I wanted to share with you all today. And hopefully it is something that you guys, again, go back and read on your own so you can gain other things that I might not have covered today. Okay, so let us get started. Okay, so... Verse 1, well, verse. this is basically from verse 1 to 15. This is the parable of the sower. And I'm sure you all have heard of the parable of the sower and, you know, basically just how Jesus is giving a parable to the people that were listening about different types of people who receive the gospel and what happens 
to it based on where they were and how their hearts were positioned in order to receive that word or not to receive it. And so verse one to me, right, it's, it's amazing because it talks about, it says Jesus traveled from town to town proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And I really like this because to me, it's giving us insight on what we as Christians should be doing. We should have a purpose, a desire to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. And this should be our mission, right? This should be the things that drives us, that fuels us, finding ways to share the gospel with those that are in need. Because we honestly never know whose life we're going to impact, sharing the gospel in every opportunity that we get. Because Jesus was seen doing this. And as children of God, as Christians, as disciples, we are to be disciplined in the ways of God, discipline in the practice of what Jesus Christ did. And if he thought the gospel, that was his literally his main purpose on earth, teaching people about the kingdom of God, that should also be something that we desire to do and share with others in need. And so um, in verse uh, three, it talks about, you know, Jesus, when he went around preaching the gospel, it talked about people following him, like the disciples and some other women. And I want to highlight specifically the bottom of verse uh, three. It says these women were helping to support them out of their own means. And so that to me stood out because it shows that we should also support the spreading of the gospel, whether that is through volunteering our time or giving our money, our finances, our uh, energy, our time, whatever, we should find ways to support the spreading of the gospel, right? Whether that's in our churches and our ministries that we're involved in, whatever it is that we need to do, we need to be involved in helping the gospel spread as much as possible. And so in verse four, um, after uh, Jesus, you know, went around, it says, while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town to town, he told this parable. And so I love this because it says, for me, it shows that it's important we prioritize the coming of Jesus and always bringing others to him. And so we need to always be prepared for when Jesus is going to come, right? Like the large crowds, they were gathering because they knew Jesus was coming. And so we need to also be aware of the future, right? It tells us that God is going to come at a time that is least expected. And so we always got to be prepared. We always got to prioritize waiting for him. And there's many different ways to wait, right? We can wait in anticipation with the open heart and prayers and learning the word of God and also spreading the kingdom and much more to come. And so now we go into the actual parable of when Jesus is telling the crowd around him the parable of what the sower looks like. And so I'm just going to break down from different verses of what I kind of summarize it to mean for me. And so the first one is um, in verse five. It talks about the first seed fell on a path and was trampled on and the birds came and ate it. I'm just paraphrasing, right? And so for me, what I wrote was that it's important that we protect our faith and not allow it to be exposed in order to get destroyed. And so for me, the birds coming to eat the seeds was this person exposed their faith. They didn't protect it. They didn't cover it. And so it allowed, you know, um, the, the, the troubles of world to come and uh, soak out that faith and they didn't protect that so it's important that we don't expose our faith in order for, for it to allow in order for us to allow our faith not to be destroyed we have to protect it and not expose it to destruction and so verse six 
It is about uh, the ones, the, the seed that fell on rocky ground. And after falling on rocky ground, it withered, right? And it had no moisture. And so I wrote, it is important that we water and nourish our faith so it doesn't quench up. We constantly have to water our faith by spending time in the word of God, spending time around people of God in church, with our friends, you know, edifying our spirit, right? We don't have to, we don't allow our faith to grow dry because we're not constantly watering it. And so for me, that's what that looked like uh, with people having their seed fall on the rocky ground and it withered. It wasn't watered because the ground was rocky. There was no fertilization. There was no moisture in order to keep it growing. I'm sorry if I'm moving fast because again, like I said, we have a lot to cover. Yeah. Okay. Hope you all are following along. And so verse seven, the other seeds that fell on thorns, they were choked up, right? And so for me, this talks about not being lukewarm, right? Not mixing opposing things together. And I talked about being lukewarm, a lukewarm Christian in two audios ago. So if, if you haven't listened to that, go listen to that to understand what it means to be a lukewarm Christian. And basically, it's basically wanting to do two things at a time, two things that are conflicting. It's like wanting to drink hot and cold, right? It doesn't work that way. And lukewarm is just in a, like, yeah, you're mixing the two, which causes it to be lukewarm. And so um, the thorns for me, the, it's kind of like people, it's like you're wanting to plant a seed in a soil filled of thorns. That is conflicting opposite things together and therefore it is going to choke. And then lastly, it talks about the seed that fell on good soil, which is what we should all desire to be. And so this means for me to be sold out for God, right? We should only indulge in what is pleasing to the Lord. The more we water our faith in God, the more it grows and produces a harvest. When we have a harvest, it is easier for us to harvest it and be able to give to others as well, right? Imagine having a big farm that you're constantly, you know, yielding fruits and vegetables and all the things that you're planting. You have an overflow. And when you have an overflow, you don't care who comes and picks it up because you have so much to give to yourself, to your family, and therefore it spills over into other people. And that is how we should continuously seek to water our faith and seek to grow in our faith. So that way we have a lot more to give to others. And so um, verse nine, I love how the disciples, right? When they they heard this parable, they were like, okay, Jesus, I don't understand, right? What is this? And so they asked the they asked Jesus what the parable meant. And so for me, I love that because it's important that we boldly go to God, seek for wisdom and direction. One thing I love about God is that he wants us to know the plans that he has for us because his plans are good and of our prosperity. And so if God wants us to know his plans, therefore, he is willing to guide and instruct us. So when we don't understand something, we need to go boldly to God and ask for revelation. And so verse 10, it talks about the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to us. And so I love this. I'm, I'm paraphrasing again. I love this because it tell, God told his disciples, or Jesus told his disciples at the time, you all, since you follow me, you know what my mysteries and secrets are. And so what that looks like for us is that since we're now children of the kingdom of God, we also know the secrets of the kingdom. And in order for us to receive, we got to ask the Lord and he will give to us, right? I think about the CIA, for example. This is just an analogy. 
If a member becomes part of the CIA, they have exposure to secrets that us as average people do not have exposure to. And so when you become part of the secret society, you are now given access to understand secret governmental uh, documents and world trade secrets, whatever the CIA they know. That is something that you now have part of because you're part of that organization. And so... Also, the thing about the CIA is that there are different levels, right? There are different clearance and security access. So the higher that you are in your security clearance and level, the more exposure to knowledge that you have. And so the same knowledge applies for us as kingdom citizens, because once we become part of the kingdom of God, we also, like the disciples, have access to the knowledge and secrets of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the more we grow in our faith, the more we seek the Lord, it says, seek and you'll find, knock and my door will be open, ask and you'll receive. The more we do what it says in Matthew 7, verses 7, the more knowledge and information we have, the higher our level in the kingdom of God becomes. And that is all because we're now part of this great kingdom. So we have exposure to these secrets. And so moving on to verse, uh, we're going to now read the parable, a lamp on a stand. This is going to be from verse 16 to 18. And so this was really interesting to me because it talks about a lamp, right? When you light a lamp, you don't put it under a bed, but you put it on a table so it can lighten the whole room. And I kept reflecting on this and I was like, what can this mean in today's world? And so for me, the light represents Jesus Christ, right? He is a light in this world of darkness. And so when we come to God, we have this light now within us. We have the Holy Spirit that brings light in our bodies, in our worlds, in our lives. It transforms us and so when we have the light right as it talks about in verse 16 we cannot hide the lamp under a bed and so for me what this looks like is that we cannot hide Jesus Christ within us right and so we cannot try to pretend like we don't know God we can't pretend like we don't have our identity in him and so some people right they pretend they pretend in the sense where for example if you're at work you might say oh I'm not going to talk about Jesus Christ I'm not going to share my faith because it's quote-unquote not appropriate or if I'm around certain people who don't like me talking about God I'm going to quench this this uh identity of mine because I don't want to upset people. I don't want to ruffle feathers. That is how we are quenching this light within us. And we should not do that, right? Because when God is a part of us, we should have this desire to want to share about him. That doesn't mean that you're at work being annoying and like, you know, that's that person that's just kind of like, oh, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like there's some people who, who like, (laughs) I don't know how to explain it too well, but it's just more so not hiding it being open, being proud, but also not just being in people's faces that you're turning people off and being annoying and actually pushing people away from the faith because you're, you're just overly, um, you're, you're overly sharing in a way where I don't know. I hope you guys understand what I'm saying, right? There's a way to share your faith and not be obnoxious about it and not make people feel like they're worse of people because they don't understand and know your faith. I hope that makes sense. And I hope you guys can understand what I'm trying to say because I can't think of how to properly explain it at the moment, but y'all get my drift, hopefully. (laughs) Okay, so going on to verse 17, it talks about nothing that is hidden will be hidden forever and nothing, 
sorry, let me just read it. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought into the open. So it talks about this light comes into darkness and brings forth light and darkness, right? And so for me, what that talks about is that when Jesus comes into our hearts, he changes the way that we are. He washes our sins, he cleanses us, and he brings us into the light. If we're living a light of a life of darkness, whether it's by sin or anything that causes us to, to shy away from God, when we allow him to truly come into our hearts, he cleanses us, he washes these things of darkness, and he allows us to only represent and reflect light because he is light and where the Holy Spirit dwells is light. And so going on to verse 18, it talks about... Um, Therefore, let me read it. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken away from them. And so I said, the more that we seek him, the more the light of him grows within us. So God, so that means that we got to seek God, know his word, spend time in him, and we'll grow closer to him. Right. And then if we deny God, the worse we become. I thought of an example of bitterness or anger or a grudge and forgiveness, whatever that case might be. Right. Let's use the example of unforgiveness. Let's say that you um, had an experience with somebody who did something really bad to you and you're holding a grudge against them and you're not willing to forgive that person. The longer you hold on to that feeling, the more it grows and the more it starts to like burn up and it just it just really affects you deeply because you're not willing to let go of that thing right i i heard the scripture i mean this quote a while ago where it says having a holding a grudge is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die and that was just so powerful because that is exactly what it means to hold a grudge it's like you want to, you know, make that person angry, but you're the one who's angry. You're the one that's affected internally. And so what the, I, I, I reference this to the scripture because, you know, when we when we try to reject God, we actually become worse. Kind of like when you try to hold a grudge, you become worse. You become bitter. You become more angry. And then before you know, you're, you're changed into a completely different person. And I'm also reminded of the scripture. I'm going to paraphrase. It talks about like whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever wants to loses their life for my sake will save it. And so the things of the, of the kingdom are opposite, right? The more we try to hold on to something, the more we'll lose it. The more we're open and free and just trust in God, then we keep, we gain all these things and that is exactly what it looks like to gain God the more we seek him and you know just allow God to take over the more that he'll do that freely without us having to struggle and so we are going to skip to the next parable which is about Jesus brother Jesus mother and brother and so highlighting specifically verse uh, 21, this is when um, some people, they, you know, first of all, it says Jesus, let me just read it. It's literally two verses, um, 19 to 21. I'm going to read the whole thing. Now, Jesus' mother and brothers came to him, but they were not able to get near, to, near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside waiting to see you. He replied, this is Jesus responding to this man. My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. I love verse 21 so much. Let me read that part again. 
My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. So we are God's brother and mothers based on the way we receive God's word and put it into practice. It's one thing to hear the word and not to do the word, right? Like the Bible says, don't only be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. And so I love this because we're called to act on the word of God. We're called to be responsible on how we put God's word into practice. We're friends of God when we do his will and when we honor him. And so moving on to the next parable, the one that says Jesus calms a storm, and this is derived from verse 22 to 25. And so basically, Jesus and his disciples were in a boat, um, and then there was a raging storm. Jesus was sleeping, minding his business, you know, just chilling in the midst of of trouble, of danger. (laughs) And his disciples, they were really anxious and afraid. And so they woke him up, and they told him to calm the storm. And Jesus, of course, did it. And he asked them, where's your faith, you know? And his disciples were so amazed because they're like, who is this, this amazing man that even the storms obey him? <laughs> and so I love this because what does this look like in today's uh, world, right? When we're faced with storms in life, we should not panic, but we should rely on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because in the midst of our storm, guess who's present? Jesus. And when he's present in the midst of our storms, he will see us through. We don't need to be anxious. We don't need to worry. We don't need to be afraid. We need to trust and let go and surrender to God because he cares about us. And in life, in this world, you will have trouble, right? But take heart because Jesus overcame the world and so shall we. This is not going to be an easy walk in, in the life that we're living because we live in the world. It's going to be challenging, right? We're going to be faced with so many different things, but we need to keep our heart trusted in God and know that in him is our faith and him is our hope and he will see us through. Okay, so moving on to the next parable, this is when it says Jesus restores a demon-possessed man. And so I'm going to jump to verse 27. It says, when Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town from a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. And for some reason, this part stood out to me. I'm like, why are they mentioning if this man had clothes and if he lived in a house, right? What is the purpose of this? And so for me, I'm like, wow, this is interesting because why do we wear clothes? We wear clothes to cover our bodies, to protect our bodies from, you know, whether it's the environment. Like if it's cold, for example, you're not going to go outside naked because you're going to freeze to death. So you're going to wear clothes to cover and protect your body, your skin. And the summer heat, um, you know, you don't want to be exposed to UV, UV rays and all these other uh external factors within the environment and so our clothes are meant to cover and protect our bodies and our house is a covering it's where we go to find safety to find shelter right and so this man because of his uh, demon possessed life because of sin right because of many different exposures the things that were not of god this man was not covered by the blood of jesus christ i think they highlighted that to show that he was uncovered he was bare and if you're not covered by god you're exposed to so many different things that God did not intend for you to, to be um, exposed to. And so just a side reminder, if you are someone that has not given your life to Christ, you are exposed to all those destructions that comes from the evil world that we're currently living in. And so it's really important that as children of God, we are reminded that we're covered by the blood of God. We're covered by Jesus Christ. And therefore, yes, we will still experience many different hardships because again, this life is not meant to be easy, but 
we will know that we're protected, right? This man did not have clothes. He wasn't covered physically. This man did not have a house. He wasn't covered shelterly. But you know where it talks about where he lived in a tomb? Who lives in a tomb? People of death. Death is where it, death resides in a tomb. We think back in ancient civilizations of Egypt, they used to bury uh, kings and pharaohs and I'm sure maybe average people within a tomb because once a person was dead, they now were placed in a tomb. Even Jesus Christ, when he died, he was placed in a tomb because he was no longer alive. Only death resides in a tomb. And so when you're not covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, you live in a tomb, you live in death, you live in a world of darkness. And so this man was seen living in a world of darkness. He was seen uncovered. He was seen unprotected. And therefore he was tormented by the demons at that uh, uh, occupied his body and so moving on to verse uh, 28 right as soon as the demons saw that jesus christ was coming they fell at the, fell at his feet and cried and they called him son of the most high god and so what this tells me is that when jesus comes into our life all sin and trouble must bow and surrender to him the devil recognizes Jesus Christ and knows that he is the son of the most high God who is capable of doing all things and delivering us from evil. And so again, once you're covered by Jesus Christ, you do not have to be afraid of anything because even the devil recognizes Jesus Christ's power and his authority and the devil will submit to God. He will surrender to God because the devil knows that there's no power that he can possess that is powerful than what God has because God literally has won it all. He's defeated, but the enemy, he's so crazy because he'll keep trying you he'll keep trying us right <laughs> but once we recognize that their enemy literally has no control over us no power then all things that we're struggling with can bow and surrender to god like it did in this parable that we're, we're currently um examining and so we're gonna skip to verse 35 okay so this was after jesus came and cured the man and he told him that okay go ahead you are no longer consumed by this demon possessed uh yeah but his demon possessed spirit and so i love this because once jesus had freed this man it talks about in verse 35 in the middle of it when they came let me read uh just in the middle right it says when they came to jesus they found the man who was once possessed um, from whom the demons had gone out sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. I love the part because once Jesus cleansed this man and delivered him from the demon, the man is now seen dressed. As our, our analogy earlier, we talked about being undressed, right? Being exposed, not being covered. So now after Jesus came into his life, we see that he's covered by the blood of Jesus Christ because this man was at the feet of God. Not only was he covered and dressed, but he was in his right mind. Him allowing Jesus to come into his life allowed for transformation to take place. And what that tells for us is that when we allow God to come into our life, when we allow Jesus Christ, he comes and washes us, he cleanses us, and now he covers us by the blood of Jesus Christ and he changes our, our minds. He changes the way we think, the way we walk. I love the verse in, in Romans uh, chapter 12, verses two, where it says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? Don't confirm to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so this is a exactly what Jesus came and did to this man who was once possessed and undressed and unhoused. He came and he cleansed him, changed him, put him in his right mind and clothed him. 
And so this man was changed because he allowed Jesus Christ to come into our lives. And when we do the same too, we are changed and cleansed of all the things that are keeping us bondage and holding us in sin. And so moving on to verse 37. So after the people, the townspeople saw that this man who was once demon possessed was cleansed, cured, and now in his right mind and clothed, and that Jesus had drove the demons and put them in a herd of sheep, I mean, in a herd of pigs and sent them into the um, lake. It says in verse seven, then all the people of the regions of Gerasenes, Sorry, I can never pronounce these words, <laughs> but that is just the name of the, the town. Gerasensis asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. I kept reading this and I'm like, this is so interesting because here is Jesus, right? He's seen doing a miracle, cleansing a man who was once demon possessed. But the people who saw what Jesus did, they were afraid and they didn't want anything to do with Jesus. Therefore, they kicked him out of their town. And I was like, why would they do such a thing? And so I thought of, of like something, I thought of an analogy because sometimes in our life, like I said, we're going to have trouble. Trouble is going to come into our lives in order for Jesus to produce something good. So sometimes it is God himself who allows these troubles to come into our lives in order to produce something good. And all the things, because it talks about in the, in the, in the scripture, all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose, right? This life is not going to be perfect. We will have trouble. We will face turmoil. And sometimes that turmoil does not come from the devil. It comes from God. He allows certain things to happen. He allows certain bad, quote unquote, bad things to happen because he wants to produce something greater than what we can ever think, hope, or imagine. And it's important that when we allow, um, sorry, it's important that we, when we do face these these trials, these these troubles, we don't allow our minds and circumstances to cause us to curse God and allow God to leave our lives or God would never leave us, right? We're the ones that, that forsake him. He never leaves nor forsakes us. We're the ones that leave and forsake God. And so sometimes as human nature, we can ex expect God to be a genie, expect God to be, um, yeah, on standby to do every and anything we hope and wish he he does for us and that is not how god works right and so like i keep saying we will have troubles in this world and when that time comes we shouldn't allow the troubles and circumstances to push us away from god and curse god and i think about the story of job right because you guys might be saying well god doesn't allow bad things let's look at the story of job Job was a man who was righteous, was a man who had great wealth and just was living a great life. And the devil went to God and was like, I'll bet, bet Job only loves you because of all the good that he receives. And the devil asked Jesus, okay, let me, let me really see if this man honors you, right? Let me curse his life. Let me make all these bad things come. And God allowed the devil to tempt and play with Job's life and to cause all bad things to come to Job. And the enemy's goal was to get Job to curse God in the midst of his trials and his hardship. And that is exactly what sometimes we can do when we're faced with trials. And we should not do that because this life will not be easy. We will, we will face trials and we should not reject God. And unfortunately, in, in the um, in chapter, I mean, sorry, and unfortunately, in verse thirty-seven, these people rejected God because they saw one part of the one part of the story. Because I'm sure they were upset that their pigs, you know, like died and went to the ocean, and they were like, "Oh no, how are we going to pay for this month's bills and all these other?" Because those were farmers, like right? those were their lively income, and so they only saw one bad thing, and they decided to curse God and to send him away. And so, like even in today's world, right? 
I, I keep referring to trouble because we will have trouble. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be like negative or anything like that, but just be realistic, right? For example, if you've lost a family member, if you've lost a job, if you've lost your health, if you've lost anything, if you've experienced anything bad that causes a delay in your life, that causes sadness or pain, you might look at your circumstances and say, well, God is not good because if you're so good, why do you allow bad things to happen? And that is honestly a question that a lot of people can sometimes use to say, well, God is not good. And that is not true. That is not true because just like Job, right? He had a great life, but he lost so much. But yet in his pain, in his trouble, Job did not curse God. And your goal is not to curse God, but your goal is to trust that God is using this for your good, that God will turn it around. I'm reminded of what Joseph said to his brothers, what people meant for evil, God turned it around and used it for good. And so the things that we go through in life, painful, is usually for our good. It's usually for our upbringing. And that really takes me on to the next verse in 38 to 39. After Jesus healed this man who was possessed, the man was like, let me come with you, God. Let me come with you and go away to, to um, go away with you wherever you're going. I'm sure he wanted to change his life and live for God and preach the gospel. And Jesus wrote, I'm going to read it because it's so impactful. This is going to be in 38 to 39. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, verse 39, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. And I wrote, our painful past is used for our glorious future of testifying of the goodness of God. Our pain equals our testimony. And that is exactly what God allows us to go through trials and tribulations and pain for. At the moment, it might not seem pleasant. At the moment, it might not seem uh, good. You know, and like Paul says, we should count it all joy when we go through all trials because it is building our faith. It is building our perseverance. It is building our trust in God. And at the end, literally, we are going to use that to testify to those that might need it. I, I even hear a lot of like, you know, people that have listened to sermons, they always talk about the trials and their past that they, that they experienced that was so bad. It's usually what they're using as their ministry. You know, for example, women who maybe experienced uh, abuse, whether it was physical abuse, rape, um, marital problems, whatever, that becomes their ministry. That becomes something that they're used to inspire and encourage other young women. For men who maybe, um, you know, lost their father, so whatever the case might be, they use that. Or, or like, for example, someone I, I really love and follow, two of them, R.C. Blakes and... Um, R.C. Blakes and Tony Gaskins, their past was that they were players, they were womanizers, you know, they, they, they didn't treat women the best, they took advantage of women, and so forth. And so now, that is their ministry. So now what they're doing is that they're using their past, using their, their bad ways that they once lived as players, as womanizers, in order to teach young women how to become better, how to pick men, how to know men, how to, to, to not get played and so based on their experiences, right, they would never know how to teach women if they did not go through those uh, experiences themselves. And so sometimes the things that we go through, the pain, the trials, our past, it is used for our good in order to teach and, and, and supply other people with that wisdom that we have gained. Because should be told, how can you teach somebody about faith if you've never had a faith experience? How can you teach somebody about perseverance if you've never had to persevere through any trials, right? How can you tell someone to trust in God for healing? And deliverance if you've never experienced sickness or, or trauma 
You can't. And it's usually out of your own personal experiences that you're better versed to share with others based on your experience and based on the things that you did in order to get you through that trial and that situation. And so it's hard, y'all, because I know it's really hard at the moment when we're facing these uh, things to think of this this mindset like, oh, well, okay, I'm going to use this to, to inspire people. It is hard at the moment. But when you overcome that season, you can literally reflect and say, wow, God, thank you for allowing me to go through this because I can now use it to be a blessing to others, right? And so moving on to verse 40. Okay, so verse 40, we're going to now read the parable of Jesus raises a dead girl and heals a sick woman. And so in verse 40, it reads, Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were expecting him. And similar to what I talked about always, we need to always be in anticipation and expectance of God because he's coming. We always got to be watchful and, and waiting for him to come. And just as the crowd we're expecting him we always have to have a heart that is expectant of jesus christ and so verse 41 it talks about jerry's jerry's who had the daughter who was uh, sick she was 12 years old and sick up until death right and so he was a synagogue leader they highlighted his position in order to show how of a high status that this man was yet we see a man of high status he was a synagogue leader he knew that he had an issue and he knew that God was Jesus Christ was the only one who was capable of healing his daughter. And so this man of a high status came and knelt before God. And so I love this because it says that we need to always be mindful of humbleness. No matter what status we find ourselves in life, whether we are a CEO, a business owner, um, a president, whatever position we find ourselves in, right? Our high status, how much money we make, whatever. We need to always be humble and know that, okay, when we have an issue, we need to go to Jesus for help and to go to those that God has placed in our lives for help, right? We cannot be so prideful that we think, oh, I'm too good to nail down. I'm too good to honor somebody. I'm too good to ask for help. Jerry's was somebody who was so powerful. He was a great leader. He was a synagogue leader. I'm sure that came with not only power and status, but also wealth. But yet he humbled himself to Jesus Christ because he knew that I needed something from God and he was the only one that had the answer in order to provide what I needed. And so we need to be humble always. Okay, and so in verse uh, 42, wait, no, I'm sorry. Well, verse 42 to 48, it talks about the lady who was bleeding, who came to Jesus and touched his, his garment in order to have her bleeding stop. And so this woman had so much faith that caused the power out of Jesus to respond to her plea. And so without faith, it's literally impossible to please God. And so when we have faith in Jesus, we need to trust that whatever we're hoping for, he has a power and capability in order to do as we request according to his will, right? This lady, she has so much faith that if I touch Jesus, if only I touch him, I will be healed. And because of that, because of her faith and her expectant and the power of Jesus, she got what she desired and requested for. And so when we have the same faith in going to God and asking for our prayers, he will grant us that request as well. And so moving on to verse uh, 49 to 50, this is when now Jesus goes with Jairus, 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 to heal his daughter. And so uh, 49 to 50, right? Um, 
yeah and so it's really important that we don't look at our curse so okay so before i go into that so jairus for jairus first I'm, I'm sorry if i'm mispronouncing his name but first of all he came to jesus in order to ask him to go heal his daughter who was once sick at the time and so while he's getting jesus to go to his house to heal, heal his daughter some of his servants come and say don't bother jesus anymore your daughter is now dead who was once sick she is now dead and so jesus says don't worry let me read this specifically in verse 50 he says, don't, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. So Jesus is, is instructing Jairus, Jairus to not be afraid of his circumstances. And so what I wrote was that we should not look at our current circumstances and be distressed, but instead we should focus on Jesus and be strengthened and have faith and hope in him. And so despite what life throws at us, despite what we're faced with, we need to trust that God is capable of overcoming our situations. Jairus could have easily said, you know what, Jesus, never mind. I only came because my daughter was sick. Now that she's dead, it doesn't even matter anymore. Just go about your business. And truthfully, Jesus would have went about his business because at the end of the day, we have free will to choose and decide to believe or not. But... Jesus comforted him. He said, don't worry. Although she's quote unquote dead, trust that I can do and I'm capable of healing her and do anything. And so we need to have faith that despite the circumstances that life throws at us, we need to trust that only God has the answer to actually provide for what we're hoping for. And then lastly, in verse uh, 51 to 56, and so as Jesus told him, you know, don't be worried. We're still going to go to your house and heal your daughter. He came along with him and they walked to the house. And as they were walking to heal the daughter, you know, some people were out there doubting. They were like, oh, she's not sleeping. She's actually dead. Like you're wasting your time. Just kind of like trying to deter Jesus and make Jairus a little sad that his daughter is gone forever. And so what that tells me and us is that we need to protect our faith, right? We need to guard it from people who are going to cause doubt and disbelief. And because in this world, you're going to have so many high hopes and dreams and visions that God shows you, but not everyone can handle that promise. Not everyone is trusted with that because there will be people who will be negative and try to cause you to lose faith and hope in God. And so it's important that we learn to choose our circle wisely and that we only surround ourselves with people who are like-minded and people who can encourage and strengthen us we choose our circle wisely we don't tell everyone the things that God shares with us because sometimes the things that God tells us are not for others to believe but for you to believe and hold in your heart and to trust that he is capable and so that is pretty much everything with today's bible study I hope that you all uh, got some new information or had a refresher and just were encouraged by this uh, Bible story. You know, there's so many different parables that we, we learn and many different advice on what to take, right? But just a summary, it talks about faith. It's important that we have faith in God and just trust that he is capable of healing us. It's important that we wait on the Lord, we trust in him, and that we don't allow our faith to be soaked like the seeds, right? We don't allow our faith to be uh, trampled on or to be crushed by thorns, but that we keep watering our faith, we keep trusting in God, and that we're the light, right? God's light is within us, and therefore we should shine bright into the world and keep living as the Lord expects us to live. We are his representative, and we should reflect him as well. And just to keep looking to God and trusting in him and leaning onto him, not to get weary in this life of trouble, but to trust that God is capable of all things. Okay. 
Well, let us pray, (laughs) y'all. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time that we're spending together. Thank you for your amazing words, Father God. Uh, Many different stories and parables to teach us what you want us to know. Help us not just to be hearers of the words, but doers, Father God, to go out into the world, to live according to your word, and to change lives, change our lives first, so that way we can impact the lives of others as well. We thank you, God, for this time that we're always spending together with you. We love you so much. We ask that you have your way always. In Jesus' most holy and mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you all for joining me for yet again another uh, Bible study. I'm so thankful to be here. And yeah, I look forward to chatting with you all shortly. I hope you all have a great rest of your week and enjoy the rest of the month. Um, I'm sure I'll talk to you guys soon, but if not, yeah, we'll talk later. Okay. I love you guys. Bye.